Job chapter 9 verses 14 to 35. How then can I dispute with him? How can I find words to argue with him? Though I were innocent, I could not answer him. I could only plead with my judge for mercy. Even if I summoned him and he responded, I do not believe he would give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm and multiply my wounds if for no reason. He would not let me catch my breath, but would overwhelm me with misery. If it is a matter of strength, he is mighty. And if it is a matter of justice, who can challenge him? Even if I were innocent, my mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, it would pronounce me guilty. Although I am blameless, I have no concern for myself. I despise my own life. It is all the same. That is why I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a scourge brings sudden death, he mocks the despair of the innocent. When a land falls into the hands of the wicked, he blindfolds its judges. If it is not he, then who is it? My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. They skim past like boats of papyrus, like eagles swooping down on their prey. If I say, I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile. I still dread all my sufferings, for I know you will not hold me innocent, since I am already found guilty. Why should I struggle in vain? Even if I wash myself with soap and my hands with cleansing powder, he would plunge me into a slime pit so that even my clothes would detest me. He is not a mere mortal like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in a court. If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him, but as it stands with me, I cannot. Welcome back to our study of Job. I'm Ian, and this is a Sailor Time to Pause podcast from Plexus Salvation Army, an online church in the UK. I will stop and breathe in your presence, just breathe, just breathe. There have been times in my life when I couldn't pray. In fact, there have been times when I didn't even want to. I'm not talking about before I became a Christian. If I'm honest, I don't really remember too much about those days because I became a Christian when I was young. I'm talking much more recently. I'm talking about times since even my ordination and commissioning as a Salvation Army officer. There was one specific time that's particularly keen to my mind when my life was in a dark place. If I sat down to pray, that was an achievement in itself because I'd completely lost the inclination to do so. And even when I did, I had nothing to say. It seemed as if my words simply bounced off the walls around me. The experience I'd once had, feeling that I was able to speak to God and that he was listening to me and speaking to me was long gone. I didn't know what to say or how to say it. If the heavens are above us, then there was some great metal shield over my head that just reflected my voice back and prevented anything I said reaching heaven. Like Deuteronomy says of the hard times we sometimes face, it was as though the heavens were made of brass. I couldn't pray. My faith wasn't gone, but it felt like it was hanging on just by the very tips of my fingernails. And during that time, there was one song that became quite special to me. 
and it quickly became one of my most played tunes. And that song is called Somebody Prayed For Me. And the opening words of it say, When my heart was so broken that I could not pray. The writer of that song was going through a similarly dark time to me. In her words, Love wasn't easy to see. All that I could see was darkness. The future looked hopeless. I'd given up and had lost sight of my dreams. And in the midst of all of that, she needed someone else to pray her prayers for her because she could not pray. That was exactly how I felt. And just listening to that song, it was a relief to know that I wasn't on my own. The whole song tells of her thankfulness for the person who prayed in her place and uttered the words that she could not. Ever since then, when I struggle, that song is the one that often comes to my mind and I'm reminded that I've got many wonderful friends who pray for me, even when I cannot pray. Friends who, when my life is hard, will speak to God on my behalf. But Job's situation was even worse. He wanted someone to speak to God on his behalf, but it was because he does not feel worthy. His situation had brought him so low that he feels his relationship with God is just impossible for him. He wants to speak to God, but he doubts that God would want to listen. Look around you, and you'll see that we're in a generation of people today who feel this distance. Maybe they don't understand the ins and outs of it, but they know that they need a go-between to make a connection with God. When it comes to something so basic and essential in faith as the way we relate to God, we need to be sure that we have this right. When I became an officer, I noticed that the way in which people interacted with me changed. One of them was that I was no longer told the punchlines to many jokes. The teller would only get so far in the story before apologising and then stopping with the line, oh, sorry, I forgot you were a minister. And that was really frustrating. But the most concerning was that I was now asked to pray for people and for things and for situations more than I had been before. It was as though people thought that since I was an officer, my prayers would now be more effective. And my worry is that they thought God would now listen to me more, that the pleadings of the clergy carry greater weight. And perhaps that's why the whole idea of a clergy-laity divide was born. They want an expert who'll do the spiritual stuff on their behalf. Just like an AA membership. Do you remember the adverts? I may not be able to fix my car, but I know a man who can. And so we take that model and we make our ministers into spiritual AA mechanics. I may not be good enough or wise enough to speak to God, but I know a man who is. But speaking as a so-called full-time minister, the idea of our greater wisdom, goodness or spirituality is nothing but an illusion. Red epaulets, just like really the rest of the uniform, means nothing at all in heaven. Job's desire is so true to the human experience. When faced with the reality of God's power and holiness, he is overcome. How dare he make a case for himself to God? How could he do such a thing? There's a great yawning chasm that sits between Job and God, and in his suffering he's become painfully aware of this gap. But it's nothing new. It's lain between man and God since time immemorial. And that gap is created by sin. Mankind chose to walk away from God. 
That gap is not a natural consequence of God's otherness or his greatness or his majesty as Job half supposes, but that gap is a consequence of sin. Job recognises that barrier and longed for someone to serve as a go-between with him and God. He wanted an intermediary who could bridge that gap. God is not a mortal man like me, Job says. If only there were a mediator between us. And to some degree, that was the role of the Old Testament priests. They made sacrifices for the sins of the people and asked God to forgive their sins. But Job didn't need a priest who would talk about his sins to God. He needed the opposite, someone who would talk about his righteousness to God and who could interpret God's actions to him. Job longed for an advocate who would plead his case before God like the priests pleaded on behalf of Israel. If only there were someone who could bring us together, Job says. Someone who could speak my language and God's. Someone who understands us both, God's nature and mine. Then I would no longer live in terror of his punishment and I could speak to him without fear. But he would never find such a person in his lifetime. There has only ever been one who could truly serve in such a capacity. Only ever one who could bridge the gap between divinity and humanity. First Corinthians chapter 15 calls that individual the second Adam. The first Adam was made from the dust of the earth, but the new Adam came from heaven and those who are reborn of his spirit will find that relationship that was broken in Eden to be restored. Hebrew chapter 4 calls that individual our great high priest, for he fulfills and exceeds the ministry of the Old Testament priests. They were simply a faint foreshadowing of his ministry. And 1 Timothy chapter 2 directly answers God's plea. It gives him a name when he says, But there is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, Christ Jesus. When Job cried out for a mediator, one who could unite the human and divine, he was in fact crying out for the fulfilment of God's salvation plan. Without knowing it, he cries out for an incarnation of God. He longs for the story of Bethlehem, for God to come into the very world he created, for God to become flesh and make his home among us. Job cries out to see the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The Bible teaches that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. He's not merely someone who's a lot like God or someone who has a very close walk with God. Rather, Jesus is the Most High God himself. He always has been and always will be. Jesus did not give up any of his divine attributes at the Incarnation, yet somehow he is also fully human. He has experienced the full range of human experience, and we have a Saviour who can truly identify with us because he truly was one of us. He's not partially man, he's fully human. Everything that belongs to the essence of true humanity is true to him. He is just as truly human as any of the rest of us. This hypostatic union, as the theologians might call it, 
This union of Christ's deity and humanity in one person means that we have all that we need in the same Saviour. Because Jesus is God, he is all-powerful and he cannot be defeated. Because he is God, he is a truly adequate Saviour. Because he is God, we are saved and we will not perish. We have security. Because he is God, we can have confidence that he will empower us for whatever tasks he asks of us. And because Jesus is man, he's experienced the same things that we do. Because he is man, he can identify with us intimately. Because he is man, he can come to our aid as our sympathetic great high priest when we reach the limits of our human weaknesses. Because he is man, we can relate to him. He's not far off and uninvolved. Because he's man, we cannot complain that God does not know what we're going through because he's experienced it firsthand. And since both of Christ's natures are full and complete, we find that mankind's greatest longing expressed through Job is fulfilled. For in Jesus, we do not merely have an answer to Job's cry for a mediator who can represent us to God and God to us, but we have an answer to his cry for someone who will bring God and man together in true reconciliation. When the heavens feel like brass, as they sometimes will, when it seems that the gates of prayer are closed to us, when we need someone to pray in our stead, then we can remember that there is a man who is seated at the right hand of the Father, a great high priest who intercedes for us. When we feel the distance between us and God, the disparity between his power and holiness and our meagerness and sinfulness, when it seems that God is too great and we are not worthy, when it seems that God is too far off, then we can remember that in Jesus, God has come near. Jesus does not straddle the gap between God and man, holding on to each side by his fingertips, creating a bridge, but instead as the Christ he stands on both sides, man with God and God with man, our intended relationship re-established. God from eternity born in a stable, the mystery of deity and humanity combined, Job's plea answered, Eden restored. And so we pray, let all of Adam's fallen race come and be saved. Let every kindred, every tribe, all nations come and be saved. And may we look to the day when we can join the everlasting song of the angels and see him face to face, our mediator, great high priest, second Adam, Christ Jesus our Lord.
Hello, this has been Sailor Time to Pause, a podcast from Plexus Salvation Army, an online church in the UK. I'm Ian. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Sam. If you've enjoyed journeying with us over these last few weeks, join us every Monday or any day that works for you to spend time together, taking time out to pause, catch our breath, draw near to God and refresh our spirits. We share Bible teachings, reflections on songs we're listening to, and on what's going on in the world around us. As well as this, on the last day of the month, we look back and reflect, share any thoughts from our listener community, and ask what we can take from it into our daily living. What we call our personal So What's for the month. Join us, making us part of your regular routine, spending a few minutes to listen to what God might be saying to you. Find us on your favourite podcast streaming service, on Facebook or YouTube by searching for Selah. That's S-E-L-A-H. Time to pause.